0: Hey, this morning for Backyard Almanac, we've got a special guest star. Sparky Stensis has returned from his peregrinations. See what I did there? And he joins us this morning on the phone. Hey, Sparky, it's great to have you with us. Hi there.
1: Yeah, I'm always happy to be a pinch hitter for Larry.
0: Larry Weber took a sick day, and I don't think he's taken a sick day in 30
1: years. (laughs) So, like, I think he's out crawling around looking for spiders or something. But
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. maybe he's fudging. <laughs> oh, I never thought of that. Maybe he just thought, no, I took an actual yeah. vacation and I need to come up with yeah. a good excuse. He says that... He has been enjoying the August silence, and he talked about that a little bit last week, about how the bird song has really died down a lot. Have you been noticing? You, of course, have children. Have you been able to notice silence, or or where you live, is there no silence?
1: Yeah, but, you know, I mean, um, yes, it's much quieter than it was in June and early July, but uh, still a lot of sounds out there. I mean, migration has started. I hate to... Say that, but it's we're we're in fall migration now, and things like the bobolinks have already left the grasslands. You know, those are those beautiful kind of uh, yellow and on top and black on the bottom. They live out in the grasslands. They're already headed south. Swallows, mixed flocks of swallows gathering in large flocks, getting ready to head south. Uh, shorebirds yeah shorebirds are in full migration. I've got a report from the from park Point this morning where you know six seven eight nine species of shorebirds are already heading south and I checked the the North American radar the other day, oh yesterday I guess, and they were getting snow up uh in northern Canada, Greenland uh, where a lot of these shorebirds nest so. They're not early, they're on time and heading south. One bird you should watch for on these late August evenings when it's kind of dead calm, clear is the nighthawks. And you know, they're they're nocturnal nor are they a hawk. They're in the goatsucker family. Yes, the goatsucker family, but they fly around at dusk with those long pointed wings. They got a big white wing bar on underneath each wing. And they just suck up uh, aerial insects, and you're kind of an aerial vacuum cleaner, you know. But they'll make huge migrations down the north shore of Lake Superior in late August. Um, My friend Mike Hendrickson, I think, counted over 30,000 in one night uh, years ago.
0: Okay, so So, I know that they have super-duper-duper-duper big mouths. They're really kind of beguiling because of their super-big mouth. But they're not big enough to suck in a goat, um, do you have any so, idea about the etymology yeah. of that word at all?
1: Yeah, it comes from in, or Europe, I should say, old world um, members of the family. They, you know, I, I think what happened is farmers would notice these flocks on these quiet summer evenings, and then the next morning maybe their goats or their cows didn't give as much milk as they thought they should have, and then they just made that giant uh, leap of oh. logic, which is totally incorrect. But so that's, that's what
0: happens when you issue science, okay? Yeah. I'm just saying these are the kind of logical leaps that human beings yeah. are capable of.
1: We can we can call them the capra Day instead of goat suckers, I guess that's probably a better name, but hawk but another thing to do this time of year is start thinking about hawk ridge. Oh yeah. We start uh, counting hawks in 2 days on the 15th and um, you know, early season stuff, if you plan it for probably best, would be a northwest wind day. So, kind of plan for a northwest wind day. Early in the season, might get some osprey, uh, some a few broadwing hawks. Um, broadwing hawks migrate early, they peak in mid September, but they'll be starting to move. And the reason is they're, you know, unlike red tailed hawks, which eat bunnies and other mammal prey Broadwing hawks eat mainly uh, reptiles and amphibians so frogs and snakes and they'll even eat earthworms so they you know their food base is going to rapidly disappear here so they start heading down to South America pretty quickly there's also a chance you may and I never have yet but see a wandering Mississippi kite because they're often seen when they're seen in Minnesota, it's often at Hawk Ridge in August. Um, so that's another thing to do this time of year. Um, I also thought, well, let's take a tip from Larry. He's got this little book called In a Patch of Goldenrod. Oh, thought... he
0: does love his goldenrod.
1: <laughs> Larry described
0: love. beautifully to me once about driving down a road and and basically staring at the goldenrod in the ditch And I think it was a dirt road. I hope it was a dirt road, not like I-35. He was staring at the goldenrod in the ditch and swerving from one side of the road to the other. And he said, if you see this bearded guy driving erratically, I'm counting different (laughs) kinds of goldenrod. He really does love his goldenrod.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it is. This time of year, it's a magnet for all kinds of Critters, you know, get your camera, your magnifying glass, your reading glasses. I mean, I'm blessed with incredibly nearsighted vision, so I just lift up my glasses. But there's things like these flower longhorn beetles, which are these stunning large beetles that feed on on the pollen. Uh, jagged ambush bugs, and they do exactly what they say, and they look exactly like their name implies. They're kind of a, these jagged little yellow and brown Bugs that ambush other critters on the goldenrod heads—it's um, a dangerous place. There's a bug called the spined assassin bug. Ooh! Um, oh yeah, yeah. They're they're just waiting for unsuspecting flies or even those flower flies, which we a lot of us call sweat bees. Um, you know, but they're actually flies, and they love goldenrod this time of year. In fact, there's one. Philomaya Fusca, who's a bald-faced hornet mimic. It looks almost exactly like a bald-faced hornet, but it is a fly. So there's some really cool stuff out on the goldenrods this time of year. Now,
0: we would not be doing Larry a service if we did not point out, as he does every time he mentions goldenrod, that your goldenrod allergy is not a goldenrod allergy. It is a ragweed allergy, and that Goldenrod sure. has somehow been tarred with this brush, and it's important that we set the record straight.
1: Yeah, they get a bad rap. Yeah, that's for yeah. sure.
0: Larry uh, jumps to the defense <laughs> of Goldenrod. He's he's that guy.
1: And this is a great time here to get out to some prairies or grasslands, you know, because there's a lot of late season flowers. Um, I'm thinking Crex Meadows down by Grantsburg, Wisconsin. I'm thinking Sherburn National Wildlife Refuge down uh, between here and the cities. Uh, they've got great drives where you can cruise through the prairies. You know the blazing stars.
0: Oh that boy, that prairie blazing star will make your head explode. <laughs> I saw. I went to Minneopa two years ago. Um, it's down a little south of Mankato. And I went down there to see the genetically pure bison, and they did not disappoint. Oh. And then I stood, I leaned against my car in the parking lot for over an hour, photographing Monarchs on Prairie Blazing Star. It's oh, so beautiful, yeah. and the, the the Monarchs were, they were everywhere. It was just gorgeous.
1: Yeah, it is great time of year for that. The gentians as well. Sandhill cranes, trumpeter swans, you know, they're going to be very visible at Crex Meadows. Um, I was up the shore yesterday, and one thing I forgot about is all the interesting flowers out on the rocks um, along Lake Superior. And there's one in particular that's in bloom right now that hardly anybody knows about. It's called Calms Lobelia, K-A-L-M apostrophe S. And Kalm was a Swedish botanist who named this species. And it grows uh, out on the rocks, and it's uh, just tiny. It's only like two inches tall, maybe three, but it's a lobelia. And it has to live in these kind of barren rock sites, and that was in full bloom. Uh, you got to get down and really search it out. And I also found the leaves of butterwort, which is one of those plants that eats... It's a carnivore. It eats. Insects. Really? Yeah, and it's not blooming now, but it's got these leaves, and it's called butterwort because I think the leaves kind of look buttery. They're kind of yellowish, pale, yellow, and kind of thick and fleshy. But insects get stuck on the leaves. Um, they've got you know a, a type of glue that sticks in there, and then the leaf just absorbs all the nutrients out of the body of the insects. And that only grows in Minnesota along the North Shore. Uh, in fact, there's a scientific and natural area up in Cook County called Butterwort Cliffs. Um, but that grows at Gooseberry and many um, rocky shorelines of Lake Superior.
0: Have you been to Gooseberry recently? There were, I know some photographers have sent horrifying pictures of no waterfalls. Oh, just basically, <laughs> was, you know, a little trickle of water yeah. here and there. And I wondered if you had been up there recently. Yeah, I was
1: there yesterday, but I didn't go to the falls. You know, how many times can you go to the falls, I guess? But I was down on the shore looking at flowers. But yeah, you know, it's one of the natural cycles. Um, it'll be back. It'll be back. It's just kind of a new perspective, which is also interesting, you know, to to photograph <laughs> this tiny trickle over this giant cliff. Yeah, exactly. Um. Well, and it's a way of driving the
0: the climate issue home to us in a way that we here in the Northland are really going to, uh, you know, nobody's ignoring the fact that there are pretty much no falls at Gooseberry Falls. Um, and that really is a way of, of maybe making us sit up and, and pay a little bit of attention. So basically, it's kind of a terrifying place out there is what you're saying. Um yeah. Things will you know there there are there are goat suckers flying in the air, and there are terrifying bugs in the goldenrod, and there's carnivorous plants up the north shore um this like jeez, <laughs> I tell you we ought to and then, and of course Larry is at home like we say, probably creeping through the underbrush looking for spider webs because that's his he loves oh, yeah. these days um encouraging photographers, of course, to get out and photograph
1: the dew on the spider webs, yep. Yep, that's a big one right now. And I got to mention, of course, Saksim Bog, since that's my main thing these days.
0: We don't always think about the bog as a place to be in the summertime. And yet, I have to say, it's so, I spent so much of the winter up there this year. It is so lovely to be at the bog without having to be dressed in thousands of layers. (laughs) It's
1: really, really nice. And there's three boardwalks, so you know I encourage people to, you know, drive around, look at the wildflowers along the road, uh, There's sandhill crane families. Uh, you never know what you're going to turn up, but walk the boardwalks and just walk them slow. Um, you never know what you're going to going to see up there for sure.
0: And I and know one of the.
1: Open I'm sorry. Go ahead. 30, oh, the welcome center is open until August 31st, and then we close down. The, there will be some fall field trips, and then we open up. Uh, first weekend in December.
0: Fantastic. I know one of the reason, of course, you know, Larry keeps the phonology Notebooks, which is, of course, the whole point. One of the advantages of the phonology Notebook, if I kept one, shame on me, would be I didn't get up to see the uh, pink lady slippers. I have seen the yellow lady slippers at Jay Cook, but I didn't get up there to see the pink ones, and they were right off the boardwalk.
1: Yeah, there's hundreds and hundreds off both our Bob Russell boardwalk and the Warren Wissner boardwalk um, in late May through late June. So, yes, put it on the calendar. Yep. Um, um, and uh, And for next year, for sure. But always stuff to see one of book. one of the things that you really
0: did offer proffer this year that I discovered that really is encouraging is that before a lot of stuff gets really going in our neck of the woods except of course for the owls in the bog is early migration in western minnesota at a <laughs> new area called the North Ottawa Impoundment. My family lives out in this area. The the little itty bit of family that I have left lives out in this area. And so I had to go out yeah. and check it out for myself. The North Ottawa impoundment is not pretty. I mean it's not the bog, it's not Gooseberry, it's not Jay Cook. It's kind of a big Ditch in a like a big square (laughs) ditch, and the idea is this is for water runoff. Is that why it was created in the first place?
1: Uh, It was created by the soil and water conservation districts out there. They got together and made this. um, Yeah, it's to hold water and flood control and all kinds of uh, important uses for agriculture. But you know, and like Lisa said, it's this big giant square. Just, um, Ditch. water with, <laughs> with cattails. <laughs> yep. Uh, so it doesn't look wild, but it's got everything that, that birds need. I mean, it's got food, it's got shelter, it's got water that, uh, is open early. So it's an amazing place. If you can get out there, you kind of time it right, but massive, massive flocks of snow geese, uh, Canada geese, white fronted geese come through there in late March, mid to late March, early April. Well, you know, it totally depends on the winter, you know, even up to mid-April. But uh, just by the tens of thousands, and it is just a cacophony of sounds, the flocks coming in, going out. And, it, you know, it's like what the old-timers, right, used to say, oh, the skies were filled with ducks and geese. Right.
0: Well, my dad remembered that that growing up in that part of the world. He did a lot of hunting, of course, in that area, and he remembered that. Um, You took an astonishing photograph, a beautiful photograph of all of these snow geese against the moon. I discovered there's an ibis that's native to Minnesota. Somebody photographed it out there, and I had never seen it
1: before. Well, yeah, and I, I, I made a video of that trip and this is in grant county minnesota uh, kind of southwest and it's it's, it's gonna YouTube, be four content.
0: hours it's gonna be four and a half yeah. hours exactly um this yeah. i
1: know because
0: i've been driving it for 30 years it's gonna be four and a half hours west pretty much whether you take 210 over or whether you take 35 23 and then
1: 94 yeah so. and in may late may june you can like lisa said there's uh, white-faced ibis occasionally are seen in Minnesota, and that is about the best place to find them. You know, avocets have nested there. American avocets, which are this crazy-looking big shorebird of kind of yellow and black and white, and um, you know, snowy egrets, which are very rare in Minnesota.
0: Oh, not at the not at the rookery in Fergus Falls. It's not.
1: Oh, those are great egrets there. Oh, oh right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay, snowy yeah, egrets. But, uh, there are some. Snowy egrets show up at North Ottawa. And so, yeah, and that's another spot to check out in, in early summer is the the Rookery in Fergus Falls, which is right in a city park. Amazing.
0: It really is. You're so close. I realized, I don't know whether I need my zoom lens. I think I'm over-lensed for this a little bit because they're, uh, you know, hanging out basically right on top of you, and oh, it's yeah. it's really, in. and I saw my very first black crowned night heron.
1: Right, that's right. They nest there too, yeah, which people hardly ever see, because they really only come out at dusk in western Minnesota, so...
0: They were yeah. hiding in the big spruce trees most of the time that yeah. I saw them, but they were incredible, and my mom I guess I wouldn't consider her a birder or a naturalist, but she had, we went Mother's Day weekend together, I said, I'm going to drag you to the rookery, and then I'm going to take you out to eat at this nice restaurant in Fergus, And and her eyes sparkled, and she said, okay, and she had a ball. She had a ball because they were yeah. so close. She could really so get to see them. And cormorants are my absolute favorite. And I hadn't seen them in a while. So
1: wow, you're one of the few, and that's awesome because they are fascinating birds. Oh,
0: they're but they've got blue. There are not enough blue animals <laughs> and birds. Their their inside of their mouth is blue, and their eyes are goofy. And oh, oh they're yeah. just they're and they they seem to have. I'm anthropomorphizing. I know <laughs> such a sense of humor, and I really. <laughs> I'm just passionate about my cormorants.
1: So, yeah, when the parents come back to the nest, it's like the young are just clamoring to get, you know, mom or dad to throw up in their mouth the yeah. their last fish, yeah. you know, which is lovely to see.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh... <laughs> all of those, All I've got to say this about egrets and cormorants, though, and I don't think, I hope I'm not anthropomorphizing too much, their kids are loafers. Here are these huge birds that are practically full grown going no feed me I can't I can't like get my own, own. Yeah. <laughs> They want to grow up and live in their parents' basements I that's suspect
1: right. you know no, Absolutely that's true with almost all birds uh, yeah they they beg beyond when they can feed themselves far beyond so it's
0: just yeah they were sitting there lazing and the folks are out there fishing and they're doing the thing you know and the and the kids are just loafing in the sun so (laughs) well i'm i'm excited at the idea of some fun things to see beginning in march beginning that early because all i have to do now is fill that little spot of time between the bear grease and the beginning of migration and, and winter won't depress me too badly.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I, I can always give you ideas of where to go. Yeah.
0: Well, get ready for a long list from me. You'll be getting a long list from me of some photographs, some of your photographs, if I can get some photographs from you to illustrate mm-hmm. some of these great things that we've talked about. And Sparky, thanks so much for pinch hitting this morning. It was so great to talk with you. Yeah.
1: Thanks, Lisa. Have a good one.
0: Sparky Stensis, is our guest host this morning for Backyard Almanac, a regular feature of Fridays here on KUMD.